Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Hello, my friends. I want to introduce you to part one of a really, really amazing two-part interview series. You are going to love these interviews with Denise Conway, and I'm just going to let her, you know, kind of introduce herself and introduce our topics, but please tune in and don't miss the show notes for these. I am going to let you really just dive right in, but before we get to the interview, I'd like to take a moment to read a review from Steffer P. And she says, she wrote a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and I just want to thank you so much for this beautiful review. She says, perfect and timely. I am learning more about mindfulness and just loved this episode about mindful eating and the other episode about mindful moving. Over the years, it seems like to get the results you want, we had to do things in certain ways. I'm learning that we are all different and that mindfulness can help us tune in and understand what our bodies need to be their best selves. Thank you for this podcast and helping women tune into themselves. And this is from Stephanie P. I absolutely love (laughs) that review. And in part because as you'll see through, you know, really the theme of a lot of the most recent podcasts I've done, it's always been a theme for me, but I'm really starting to talk about this even more, more than ever, is that in order to heal your best, you have to, well, you have to feel your best to heal your best, but you have to learn how to tune in to your own body's needs. You can't always be looking to an outside guru an outside expert to tell you what to do. Uh, I mean, it's it's important to start that way, to start by looking for information and gathering gathering resources and, and looking to others to learn. But there comes that time when you really need to start tuning inward and learning how to trust yourself. And it's a process. And actually, it's it's where the next level of my coaching and my work is really going. Um, the podcast, you might have noticed that we actually, actually missed a week last week, and there's definitely going to be a new episode next week with Denise's interview, the part two of this two part series. Um, but there may be another little bit of a lapse in time because I'm really working hard on, like I said, sort of the next evolution of what you can expect from FemFusion and what you can expect from me, which is really all about learning how to tune in, tap in. And turn on that inner guru, that inner healer that we all have within us. So we we tap into this a little bit in the interview with Denise and in, in this week's and also in next week's interview especially. And definitely check the show notes for a link to the mindfulness, the intuitive eating and the intuitive movement episodes that um, Stephanie P is referring to in this review, because those are also really, really great interviews as well. So I don't want you to miss them. But uh, yeah, just I, I just want to share with you again that these interviews are amazing coming up. Also, that if you are wanting to know kind of what's next for Brie 
it is this this tuning inward, this intuitive knowingness of what's best for you. And you can expect to hear more of that from the podcast, from my YouTube channel, um, from everything that I do on social media. It's really, really the next step in healing. So I want you all to go on this journey with me if it sounds interesting to you, if it calls to you. And without further ado, I'm just going to let you tune into this awesome interview about prolapse with Denise Conway. Hello, my friends. I have such an amazing wealth of knowledge guest today. This is Denise Conway. She has a website called The Flower Empowered, and she also has an upcoming book about pelvic floor dysfunction. And I can't wait for you to get to know more about Denise if you don't already know her. We are going to be talking today about the pros and cons of surgery for prolapse and what you might want to try in, you know, first. You know, we're not anti-surgery in this episode, in this show, not at all, but we just want to kind of um, explore a little bit with you. So Denise, can you say hi to our audience and also let folks know why you became so passionate about this topic? Yes. Hi, Dr. Bree. Thank you so much for inviting me to come along and speak. Um, I'm very passionate, obviously, about this subject, which is why I set up the Flower Empowered um, I have been through the whole journey myself from being told that I have a prolapse and three weeks later to having surgery. And during the surgery, there was mesh implanted for urinary incontinence just in case I would ever develop it, uh, which caused serious problems. And then I eventually had to have that removed, which left me completely incontinent. Um, and also when it was being removed, the prolapse, with, which had been repaired surgically, was back. So it, it just begged to question, why did I do all of those things? Now, the interesting thing was that I didn't actually go to my urogynecologist with a problem. I was having my IUD checked and he happened to, I happened to ask him, I was doing yoga and I was having these yoga farts. So, you know, when you, your, your vagina breathes in some air and then your little trumpet blows it out during yes. the class. We know this. We call this queefs in um, the United States, but. <laughs> exactly. So, so I was the master of the queef. I could almost play it too. <laughs> so, so I mentioned to the gynecologist that I was having this issue. And he, so he was like, oh yeah, but you know, you're all open down there. And I was horrified. Um, he said that I'd had an episiotomy he could see and that it hadn't been properly repaired. Now this was 20 years after I'd had the episiotomy. So I just had this vision of having walked around my whole life with a broken vagina. And I felt broken because he told me, you're broken. Um, like my partner didn't think I was broken and I didn't actually think myself that I was broken prior to that. Um, but he also mentioned then that there was a rectocele and said, you know, we're gonna fix everything in one surgery. And he said that he would do the, put this mesh ribbon, he called it, underneath my urethra for some support as a, more as a preventative measure, so I would never have um, incontinence. I had, maybe in my lifetime, I was a marathon runner, I was a triathlete, and in very extreme circumstances, I would sometimes lose a few dribbles, but it wasn't an issue. And I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see it as a problem. I could run a very long way, and I could run very fast without an issue. It was just in, in certain, like at the end of, of the half Ironman, um, you know, that's a very intense yeah. race. And at the end, there's a half marathon at the end of that race. And I ran um, as fast as I could. I did a sub two hour half marathon and sprinting to the finish, I dropped a few 
Dremels. Yeah. So, you know, there was, there was, there wasn't really, I would say much need for the surgery, but he said, we can fix this. And the prolapse, I'd never heard of it. And oh. it sounded frightening, you know? Well, yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting the way, the way our healthcare providers, you know, to any healthcare provider out there who's listening, the way we phrase things to our clients is so, so powerful. I mean, you know, looking back now on this incident, I'm sure that you would tell younger, you know, Denise at that time, you would probably say, whoa, there's some red flags going off in here. Like, I didn't think I had an issue. Do I really need, do I really need this? But of course, you know, in a way, I mean, maybe you don't see it this way, but in a way, it's 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 wonderful that this happened because now you have this mission, you have this platform, you can help people. But at the time, it was all because of the way your healthcare provider phrased things to you. And how powerful is that, that those of us who are in health, the healthcare field, we do have power over the, our words that we say, and we really need to choose carefully. You, I mean, that you, I, I think that can't be emphasized enough. The, the words that he used made me feel like I was broken and also put a lot of fear because this, you know, telling me that I had a pelvic organ prolapse and the way that it was described. Uh, now, what I have learned since about the body and how the body functions, I now know that it, there, there is actually generally still an incorrect assumption around pelvic organ prolapse. When it is described by a gynecologist, it's and even by some physiotherapists, it's described as things falling out of their normal anatomical position. But if you understand biotensegrity and how the body actually functions as a unity, you will know that things can't fall. They're pulled. So just just to start out the the description of things falling is an incorrect description and it also if you um, as a woman if you're told that your organs can fall out then you're going to become more tense you're going to try to prevent the falling and you're probably going to increase the intra-abdominal pressure and increase the dysfunctional movement that contributes to that pulling yeah, you know, you're so right. And to, for ease and simplicity and just kind of a way of describing it, I have to admit, I've used the term falling when your pelvic organs are hanging a little low is what I kind of tend to say, because usually they are being pulled in a downward direction. So I, so I, I do tend to say that just because to me, it, it gives a good mental picture. However, it's absolutely true what you're saying. And just our conversation right now is reinforcing, oh, I've got to be careful with my words too, because it is a pulling. And it is, um, you're absolutely right that when people think of even hanging a little low, like I like to say, it is going to make people just want to tense up and squeeze around these prolapsed organs, which is potentially just going to make everything worse anyway, because they're like, oh my gosh, things are falling out of my body. I don't want that. I've got to hold it all in. And so their muscles get really tight. So thank you for that reminder for me too, Denise. It's so helpful. It's also a big driver for surgery because yeah. if you think things are going to fall out, you're going to want to get them hooked up. For you know, sure. you're going to think, oh, well, I want things to, I, I want some, something to reinforce everything. And, uh, you know, the, the assumption also is that there is weakness in tissue. And yes, you can have tissue weakness. You can have connective tissue that's been stretched and held under tension for quite a while and has adapted to that new shape. And, you know, you can have muscles that um, are no longer um, working. They're no, they're no longer participating in the business of your body's movement. And this is actually what my book is all about. It's about identifying patterns. 
because as you know the, the body is it's, it's a system that works in unity like it is just a large basically a large sack of connective tissue with everything inside all these little pockets within that connective tissue and every movement you make is part of a symphony of, of movement so the whole body is responding when you lift your hand it's not just you lift your hand and it's just the muscles in your in your hand or your arm or your shoulder the whole body plays a part and and of course the further away you get from the the part that's moving the less of an impact it has but you have to think about how tension moves through the system of the body everything is connected i've you know we've talked about that a lot in my youtube channel but i think a lot of people still don't quite understand that and i do have a tensegrity model that i can briefly show or do you have it okay great now we are i am hoping to put this on my podcast but also on YouTube. So maybe Denise, if you want to, uh, sorry for anyone listening to the podcast, but Denise has a model that she's showing right now. Uh, maybe you can describe what's happening. So the, the tensegrity model, basically, uh, it's, just, it's just a bunch of sticks all connected by little elastic bands. And you could imagine that the sticks, in this case, this is supposed to be a tensegrity model of the hips. So you can imagine that the hips are up here where you have these shorter bands and that the legs, the femurs, are these bands down the bottom. So when you're walking, you can see that everything is moving there within that system. So there is movement. And, you know, if we look even at, um, when you look at the, the models of the pelvis, they're always rigid. But in reality, there is also movement in your pelvis. So when you're walking, it's there should be a little bit of movement. There's like a little fanning of the hips when you move. Where did you find that tiny movable pelvis? I would like that. <laughs> I need that myself. That's fantastic. They are. The models are always completely stiff and hooked. Yeah. So that tiny movable pelvis is perfect. Yeah, this, this little model I got from Tom Myers. So I've oh. done quite a few of his yeah. trainings. So the anatomy trains, if, if there are any clinicians or therapists listening, um, that's a really great way to, I mean, he has identified 12 different tracks of connectivity, basically, from the soles of the feet to the top of the head. So di different tracks that run through the connective system. So it is a unity, but you can also break that unity down into smaller parts. Yeah. Now, the, the big challenge is that, I think what's often missed, people think of the, um, if, you go, if you go to a, a, a gynecologist or a urologist, they're specializing in one specific area of the body. They know a lot about that specific area of the body and they will offer you what they can do. And gosh, these people really want to help. Like that surgeon who did my surgery, I am telling you, he didn't mean me any harm. Now it did in, in the end cause a great deal of harm, but that was not his intention. He wanted to make things better for me. Yeah. Now, the, the, my issue with pelvic organ prolapse is that we need to start to take a step back. So if you have a pelvic organ prolapse, rather than just focusing all of your attention on the prolapse itself, you need to take a step back and look at the whole system and look to see, well, what patterns are contributing to this um, imbalance in tension? Yeah. And so how do you have people start doing that? What patterns are you specifically talking about? Is it more lifestyle patterns, movement patterns, combination, or something else entirely? It's, it's a combination. So with one of the things, we do, of course, have to look directly at the pelvis. So I always would make an assessment of how is 
so neurologically you need to be able to to reach that part of your body so i always start with a, an assessment of the pelvic floor so you want to see can my brain feel the different parts of my pelvic floor and if you've if any anyone has watched any of my youtube videos where we do kegels we don't do a squeeze and lift we actually break it down into the different parts because it is three different layers of muscle with tissues running in, in many different directions so we actually try to see first well can we feel it all can we can we move in all of these different directions so very often what you'll find is that there may be one side that isn't responding as well as the other and there you already right away have the opportunity to start focusing your center of your contraction on the area that currently is not responding. Now, the way that I, I like to look at it, that you are um, responsible for the business of your body's movement. And if you think about your brain as the CEO in your body's movement, you have your uh, your your spinal column so in there you have your your spinal cord and that is let's say the where the vp of operations is so there's a lot going on between the brain and going down into the spinal cord that and then you have like the reaching out of all the nerves into the peripheral areas now there is a lot that happens locally so it's not all happening the brain isn't sending all of the signals all of the time. There's a lot that happens in the, uh, the Golgi tendon organs. So they actually manage tense tension, the way I like to describe it. As a, as a, a when you look at your body, where the uh, where your muscles kind of come to join together or to, to connect to bones, you have tendons, mm -hmm. and in those tendons there are these little organs that are they're little neurological proprioceptive organs, and they actually manage the balance of tension in your system. So they're feeling to see is something happening. Now, if we if we think about the anatomy train. So the, the connect, you know, you move your hand and everything responds. It is that little pull. So one muscle moves and it pulls another one and it pulls. And then this is pulling on these, I like to call them department managers. So the, the tendon organs are your little department managers. Now, if they sense that something is taking too much load, they will tell, they will try to to make something else work a little more. So if one muscle isn't doing its job, they'll put another muscle to work. And this is, you know, your nervous system tries to manage everything. And also if there's a little bit of pain or a little bit of discomfort, that the nervous system is trying to manage that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as, you're, as, as you're, you're making your movements, you can have muscles that stop functioning. And this system is working very well because it knows something wasn't quite right there. But unless you retrain to, to tell your nervous system, oh, this, this muscle is okay, this muscle can come back to work, mm -hmm. then it's not automatically going to return to the old pattern. So how do you have people identify some of these patterns? And um, it's, it's complicated because yes, what you're saying is it's a very complicated system that we go to school and do a lot of learning about and it, it takes a lot of time, a lot of training to really understand it. But how do you um, apply this? Because again, we're kind of speaking about prolapse and pros and cons of surgery for prolapse and what you might want to try first. So you're encouraging people to really identify the muscles of their pelvic floor, kind of feel in, see, you know, the side, the right side versus the left side, the front versus the back, see where things feel a little bit stuck. But then what's the next step? 
So, so then the next step for me would be to, to, to notice where it, how is the breathing pattern? Because okay. that one of the really fundamental relationships between, is between the diaphragm and the pelvic floor. Yeah. And when it comes to pelvic organ prolapse, very often it is an imbalance in intra-abdominal pressure. Now, if you're, if you're not breathing uh, efficiently. So if your diaphragm isn't actually moving through its range of motion, what can happen is because it's not moving, the pelvic floor isn't moving. So there is, there is let's say that there's an element of uh, support that is then taken away because that, um, that mo movement creates stability, shall yes, we say. Yes. Mm -hmm. And motion is lotion. Motion so, is lotion. Yep. Mm -hmm. If that movement isn't happening, then your connective tissue down around that area also isn't being stimulated to continue to support what is there. Um, so, so, so I always go to the breathing second. So I start to look and see, well, how, how is the diaphragm moving? Is it moving sufficiently? And there's some very simple breathing exercises that you can do to get the diaphragm moving. Now, I wouldn't, uh, I, I, the mind to muscle thing with the pelvic floor is to see, is everything functioning? I wouldn't go straight to pelvic floor exercises with pelvic organ prolapse. I'll actually work first to relax. Relaxing. Yes, absolutely key. I think in any, I really always say, I feel like relaxation is a perfect first step for anybody. For anybody, I really feel like you can't go wrong with relaxing first, even if you have bladder leakage or prolapse or pelvic pain painful sex, all of those things that you normally think of, oh, well, they need to relax. Well, so too do the other ones. Before a muscle can you know, successfully be efficient and contract, and it has to know how to relax. So I love that you, that you, you know, promote that first. Yeah, and it's so I, I start with yoga nidra. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the yoga nidra. I am, yes, yes, but I've never spoken about that with my audience, so you can definitely I mean, I, I tell I, I tell almost everybody to do that in the first instance for for two reasons. So not only does it it give you the opportunity to practice relaxation through the whole body, but it also gives you a chance to to step through the whole system and to see where are you holding tension. Yeah. So you get to feel through the body and try to find okay where is there tension. So. Yes. That, that's when, when, it, when you start to look at the patterns that are at play in your body, um, one of the things that happens very often during the day, we will, um, if you're in a difficult situation, you're going to hold tension in a very specific way in your body. And that creates a little pattern. Um, and that pattern basically is held in shape by your connective tissue. So when you have a pelvic organ prolapse, which technically is a condition of dysfunctional connective tissue, support mm -hmm. then and um, then you really need to look to see okay well where am i where is there dysfunction in the connective tissue can i maybe not hold the tension in my hips or in my shoulders can i not kind of collapse my chest when i'm when i'm feeling a certain way and instead maybe can i do some breathing exercises to try and calm the system down and to try and relax and release the tension so that it doesn't contribute let's say to a further build up within the system. So beautiful. I love this. I am so a hundred percent behind you and it all comes down to getting to know our bodies and like getting to tune in and tap in to that, to that what's going on inside. What I think I love about 
everything you say and even about the title of your website and your, your business, the flower empowered is that word empowered because it's about empowering you. Of course, work with a healthcare provider, work with a physio when you're going through this, but also you can get to know yourself just by discovering on your own where those restrictions are. Maybe it's because you always carry your purse on the same side. Maybe because it's you, it's because you always walk the same way around a track. Maybe it's because of all you cross your legs the same way or whatever it is. There's these little restrictions that you can discover when you do those breathing exercises, the yoga nidra, the feeling in. This is so great. I want to just sort of share with everyone that I actually, we're going to split this discussion up into a whole nother part, which is going to be about pelvic pain and tension. So kind of what we're speaking about a little bit right now. So maybe we'll hold off on covering any more related to that until our next chat, but I do want to maybe ask if there's anything you'd like to wrap up on this conversation of prolapse and also see if there's anything, any light that you can shed on the surgical options that are currently available and most widely used for anyone who's like, you know what, I'm at that point where I just do need surgery. Yeah, when it, when, it, when it comes to, I mean, there is, there is a point when surgery actually is a, a, a very viable option and it can make a dramatic difference to, uh, to a person. I, I would always advise that you try conservative approaches first. And you got to bear in mind that, that it doesn't remedy. When you, when you go the, the conservative route, it, it, you have to think time as well. It's going to take um, maybe six months, maybe a year for things to, you know, for everything to fall into place so that you don't feel the symptoms anymore. Um, if you do go the surgery route, uh, I would I mean, I would advise against mesh because quite simply because it, there, the, the results, if you, if you have a mesh surgery or a, like a native tissue repair or where they've used some sort of maybe some connective tissue from, uh, from your leg or from, a, from another, uh, from your abdomen, they, they take it sometimes from different places or they use sometimes pig skin and, and different things. If you use a, the native things uh, or if you use mesh, the, the results are almost the same. The only difference is that with mesh, the risks are much higher. So it's very likely that you'll have uh, erosion. So one in 10 women who have mesh will have issues. And I, I, I really just think that it's, it's not worth it. But I think actually in the US, um, it's, it's currently banned for, uh, at least for transvaginal placement. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, the- I'm not completely up to date on the current situation of where it's banned and where it's not, but I know that it's moving toward that. And I thought it was in the UK too, but I'm not sure yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I think that the the risks uh, there's I, I I personally believe that there's the, the risks are too high when it comes to mesh implantation. Uh, now that doesn't mean that it, you, if you have mesh, you're going to have problems. It's one in ten women. You might be one of the nine women where everything is okay. I, I just think that you know, if I had been told before surgery that there was a one in ten chance I was going to have an issue, I would have looked at the other nine women in the waiting room and thought, I, "That's this is too few of us here. I don't want to take a chance." <laughs> For sure. And looked at the options, like you said, I mean, the trying the conservative mes- you know, measures first. Another woman that I've spoken to had a very similar story to you where I, I, her, her condition just really wasn't that bad. And she just wasn't even offered the conservative approach first. She was really given this very, very similar to yours, sort of almost like it's no big deal. It's just a quick little procedure. No problem. Yeah. 
So, they, they told me it's going to add 15 minutes to your surgery. It's the gold standard, you know. And I asked, well, do, does, does anybody ever have issues with this? No. I mean, yeah. this is stuff, like thousands of women have this surgery every day. So, yeah, it's, I, I think you, if, there's, if there's an alarm bell, you need to pay attention to it. Yeah. And do try conservative approaches first. And do work with um, a pelvic floor physical therapist. I mean, I, I just think that that's, that's really the way to go. So I should mention Anna Kroll in the UK. So she's a re researcher who, wor who works very much on the biotensegrity model. And she's done research recently where they're actually doing um, myofascial release within the, the vagina. And they're alleviating the pelvic organ prolapse so in some cases the pelvic organ prolapse actually goes away when they release the tension when they release the connective tissue and in other cases the symptoms disappear and there's an improvement in the grade of the prolapse and I you know I think they're there's a they're doing she, she had a small study and she's now doing a much larger study and I cannot wait to see the results that come out there because I do truly believe that there are many techniques that you can use ahead of uh, having a surgery I completely agree. And I am going to go ahead and link to Denise's website, as well as information about her, her book, and also about the information that you just mentioned about Anna, the researcher. And yep. I will link to all sorts of things. So in the notes, whether you're listening on a podcast or watching this on YouTube or however we're accessing this right now, there will be links to all, all of the things you might want to know. So um, Denise, I want to make sure that we give people, you know, a little bit of excitement to listen to our next interview to our next chat. So would you like to wrap us up with anything today? Yeah, I just think, remember always that you have a, you have a long life to to go through and the quality of life tends to to diminish a little when you have pelvic organ pro prolapse or, or incontinence or, or any of these symptoms what what you should do is think that you're you should embark on a journey of empowerment and realize that you actually can um, gain a lot of control over these symptoms and the best of your life is yet to come you need to tell yourself that every day you can improve the the pattern in your mind actually plays a much bigger role we didn't speak about that at all but you do need to um, just tell yourself that you you can be better and you will be better your body is a self-healing organism and healing is an irresistible force so take advantage of that Oh, I love that. That's so empowering. I like to say honor the process. I mean, it is a process. There will be a process involved in healing, whether you're doing things conservatively or surgery. Of course, there's certainly a process involved in that too. So, but just honor that process. And I love the, um, I love this empowerment to really research the conservative options first. So thank you. Thank you, Denise. And maybe we'll get a little bit more into that mindset in our next interview as well. So um, definitely everyone stay tuned for that. All right. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the entire show. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Let her know how it helped you and what you learned and why she might like it too. And if you would like a free downloadable video portfolio that includes the inner core energizer routine that's found in my book, Lady Bits, 
plus the first seven days of my ab camp series, simply leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and then send a screenshot of of your review to me, Brienne, at femfusionfitness.com. Again, that's Brienne at femfusionfitness.com. I will personally get back to you with your free downloadable video portfolio. I will see you next time. And remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit.